if you're new to this church thing, right, or you're just here, or you tuned in online and you're wondering about Jesus, or you still have questions about faith, or, this current series that we're in right now is perfect for you. And we love that you're here, no matter where you are in your faith. We're glad that you're with us. So to help us understand what it means to believe in God, to follow Jesus, to live out our faith, we started this series last week called Asking for a Friend. And here's what we're doing. We're looking at the common questions that everybody has regarding our faith, okay? And if you're in church, and you've been a part of a church, and you, maybe ever since you were little, you know, there, there are some questions that you have, but you kind of feel like you can't ask them because you got this feeling of, I should probably already know this, and I don't want anybody to think that I don't know about the Bible, so you just kind of don't ask. Or maybe you're new to church, right, or you're new to the faith, and you don't know how to ask, and you don't know who to ask, and so you don't want to just put yourself out there either. So whatever the case is, Here's what you do. You come up with this plan that after the service, I'm going to go up to the pastor, I'm going to go up to somebody, and I'm going to ask them, but I'm going to ask them because my friend wants to know, right? Because you don't want to feel like you're asking a dumb question. Nobody likes to ask dumb questions. I remember one time when I was in school, the teacher opened up the class for questions, and he says, there are no dumb questions. Ask anything you want. And then one of the kids asked something like, how do islands not float away, (laughs) And the teacher was like, I take that back. There are dumb questions. Okay, so anyway, we don't want to feel that way. Nobody, nobody likes to feel uncomfortable, and that's understandable. We don't want to worry about what people think about us or how we'll be treated. So what I'm doing is I'm working through some common questions that I've been asked in my 23 years of ministry. And last week, I started this conversation out by telling you uh, about a conversation I had with somebody a while back that started off with bad words, and then it moved into the questions of morality, and then it kind of morphed into hypocrisy. And it was just an interesting conversation. If you missed that one, I'd invite you to go online and check that one out. But to set us up for today's question, today's question is a little heavy. And before we jump into it, I want to start with something that I learned in seminary. I learned that Each person, every single person in here sees the world a little different. We all have a unique way that we look at the world. And that's important for us to understand as we move into today's topic. We all have a particular view of the world. And I remember when I was in about third grade, I was getting headaches and couldn't figure out why things were so tough. And I was sitting about halfway back in the classroom and spent most of the time really squinting, trying to see what the teacher was writing on the board. And, you know, after putting two and two together, we decided it's time to get my eyes checked out. And not only was I struggling to see, but I was pretty bad off. And when they put glasses on me, I'll never forget how different everything was. It, it, It took my breath away. I was like, oh my gosh, everything went from shapes. And I actually didn't know that people were meant to see that far. I was like, this is crazy. And ever since then, I've worn glasses and I've worn contacts. And I have to if I want to drive or or not take a dive off this stage, right? I I got to, but, but everything changed. My view changed at around third grade. And with that being said, everybody has a different worldview. And your worldview is kind of like that lens that you look through. It's a tool that helps you make sense of the world around you. We kind of talked about this a little bit 
in the past when it comes, when I talked about politics, if you may remember that talk a little while back. But most of the time, that worldview is developed right after birth, and different things contribute to it. You know, how you're raised affects you, how you were treated as a child, how much confidence you had in school, whether you thought you were popular or not, or your home life and how it was structured, whether your parents laughed or they argued all the time, and your heritage and your experiences, and so many things contribute ultimately to your beliefs. And it really shapes how you view things. The, the best way to describe this is, is rose-colored glasses. I'm sure a lot of you have heard this before. Those people that just always seem to have this certain outlook on life, just that optimistic view of life, the, the, half is, the, the glass is half full kind of people that honestly kind of drive us crazy sometimes, you know. Those rose-colored glasses. Reminds me of a story I heard a little while back from another pastor, two different types of worldviews in two different little boys. And I love this story, I'll share it with you. A couple had twins. One grew up very positive, and on the other hand, the other one was very negative. And they were just two opposites, just two extremes. One was always happy and joyful, the other one was always sad and down. One's name was Jolly John, and the other's name was Sour Sam. And it was this time of year, Christmas was right around the corner, and the parents devised this experiment, okay? Now, this is terrible parenting, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. They wondered, you know, could anything bring Jolly John down? And they also wondered, could anything lift up Sour Sam? So, here, here's what they decided. On Christmas morning, they would get all the presents for Sour Sam. He would get everything he wanted. He, he would get a new Braves jersey with the world champs written on it. He got the, the, the video game that he always had to play at his friend's house because they didn't have it at home. And he, he got a new bike to ride down the street and just on and on and on it goes. And, and the parents decided also that Jolly John would get nothing. And instead of getting him any gifts that they wheeled in load after load of horse manure... And put it in the backyard and put a ribbon on it. Okay, again, terrible parenting, right? I, you know, but I'm telling you this anyway. So Christmas comes and everybody wakes up. And Sour Sam, he goes straight to his presents and he starts unwrapping all of them. But one after one, he just starts complaining because it wasn't the right color and it wasn't the right brand or it wasn't the right size. And he just gets depressed because nothing seems to be right. And as for Jolly John, he asks his parents, where's my gift? And they explain, it's out back. And he goes out back and he sees the mound and he sees the ribbon on it and he gets this big smile on his face. And he runs back inside, he goes into the garage, he grabs a shovel and he immediately runs back out in the backyard and he starts digging. And his parents are like, John, what are you doing? And he looks back with all this excitement. He says, with this much poop, there's gotta be a pony in here somewhere. That's a good one, right? That was a good one. Everybody has a particular view, how they see the world. And there are a lot of things that impact our worldview and how you make decisions and what you believe and how you raise your kids. And sometimes that worldview, it impacts how you see God. It impacts your faith. So with all that being said, one of the best things that I can do as a pastor is try to provide a biblical worldview to teach us as, as a church family what it means to let the Bible be the primary lens that we look at everything through. So when it comes to what I believe or, or, or 
what I say or, or how I live or how I raise my children. We, we make the decisions that we want for life. We look at everything through the lens of Scripture. And why is that so important? The reason it's important is because Scripture is the only lens that helps make the world make sense. God's Word is really the only thing that can provide some clarity. So with all that being said, today we're going to look at another good question. And we bring this up every now and then. But it's a question, honestly, that only leaves us confused unless we use Scripture. And here here it is. Why is there so much pain and suffering? I'm asking for a friend. Why is there so much evil in the world? Why has this or why has that happened? I don't know if you're familiar with what I've been through, preacher, but why is this so hard? Why has this been so bad? And again, how you answer that question depends on your worldview. For example, if your daily experiences you know, in life are the primary lens that you view everything, then how you view the world is actually going to depend on the type of day that you're having. And if culture is the lens that you look at everything through, then you know, whatever is good or bad in life is going to be determined by whatever I see on Instagram or whatever's happening online. And of course, we know that there's problems with this because we talked about this last week, right? I can't let my daily experiences always determine what I believe because each day is different. I can't let everyone else or culture determine what I believe or how I live or how I face things because that's always changing and it's always up and it's always down. But... If we have a biblical view of the world, it changes everything. And for this question in particular, when it comes to evil in the world, we've got to use scripture to really understand this. Because any other source out there, it just leaves us confused. And it leaves us asking more questions. So let's answer this question through scripture. And let me provide just a quick academic answer, okay? For those of y'all that just like to get straight to the point, here it is. It's because the world is broken. This world is broken, and it hurts. Let me provide a little history on this. In the Bible, it says that in the beginning, God created everything perfect. Imagine, imagine with me, Just for a minute, everything perfect. Your dog never digs holes in the backyard. Your baby doesn't wake up in the middle of the night crying and and allows you to get one night uh, of sleep. There is no Christmas music being played before Thanksgiving and we celebrate each holiday one at a time. Perfect, right? That's how God intended it, right? No Mariah Carey before Thanksgiving. That's what it was meant to be. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm going to cause an argument. I'm sorry, I take it back. But it was perfect, okay? And then by chapter 3 in Genesis, everything changes. Adam and Eve sin. They can't stand it. They just can't stand it. And they do the one thing, the one thing God told them not to do. And because they did it, it breaks our relationship with God. And it literally breaks the planet. 
And what happens in that moment and what happens after that, it, it, it's deeper and it's more complex and it's more costly than anyone really could have realized. And you know what, even for those that haven't read the Bible and if you're brand new here this morning, you've never heard of Genesis or you're watching online and you're like, you, you, don't, you, you don't know anything about Jesus or scripture or any of this, even those people that they know that something is wrong with the world, right? Everyone senses that the world isn't right. It's just that we don't know how it came to be this way. And because of that, everybody has different views of why and how things are so difficult. But for us, those that are Christians, those who know Scripture, we know that chapter 3 is the answer for the disaster. And because sin enters the world, our bodies die. And we grow old. There are things like cancer and COVID. You realize that you weren't meant to die, right? That only happened because of sin, because the world's broken. But we also deal with stress and emotional concerns. I mean, could you imagine living a happy life with no stress and just fully at peace all the time? Because that's how it was intended for us before chapter 3. And also, because of that sin, relationships were broken. And we have to deal with, with cheating and, and crying and, and pouting and, and divorce, those types of things. All of that came into existence later. That wasn't part of God's plans. Our, our relationships with people are broken. You know what? Not only that, our relationships with animals were broken, right? I don't know if you saw this a little while back, it was a couple months back, but there was a woman at Yellowstone Park that got too close trying to take a picture of a bear. Did y'all see this? I don't know if y'all saw this or not, but she got too close in the bear charger, and if you didn't see it, I brought a video of it. Look at this. And there you go. She was like, okay, I'm good. And then after this, what you got to know is, there's another, look at it. Okay, so after this at Yellowstone, um, they actually found this woman, and they arrested her and put her in jail for four days. Isn't that crazy? And you know why they did it? Because Yellowstone doesn't want people thinking that they can get close enough to take bears, because, take pictures with bears, because evidently bears don't want their picture taken, <laughs> and they will eat you, right? <laughs> but that's not how it was supposed to be. Imagine a world that you could take a picture with a bear. How great would that be? <laughs> I like to think, two weeks later, they were reunited, and this is what happened, right? Imagine... <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine swimming with great white sharks in the ocean. Yeah, that, that's honestly, that's how it was supposed to be. But all that's broken. And even more than that, the most devastating part of sin coming into the world, that it breaks our relationship with God. We went from friendship and intimacy with God to separation. Scripture says becoming an enemy all because they rebuild. And you know what? We, we can't simply blame it just on them because we do it also. We choose to go, go against God's will all the time. God created us with free will, and because of that, we don't always make the choices that we need to. Everything's broken because of human sin. So why is there pain? Why is there injustice? Why is there so much trouble? It's because this world is broken. But there's good news. The rest of the Bible, chapter 4 on, 
is God's rescue plan to fix our broken relationships. God, God knew that this, was happen, this would happen, so he came up with a solution. And he sends his son, Jesus, to step into a broken world and to take that sin upon himself and become the sacrifice that would be able to take all of that away so that our relationship with a holy God could be restored. And when Jesus was raised up from the grave, he defeated that sin that weighs us down. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. And through that death and resurrection, he took God's wrath for us. And when we accept salvation, he offers us a chance to be in the family of God forever. And because of all that, Scripture says that one day, one day this broken world is going to come to an end. And everything will be judged. And for the ones that accept his forgiveness, we're promised a new heaven and a new earth. But for those that reject Jesus, for those that reject God's plan and choose to remain in a broken relationship, because of free will, he will allow you to make that decision. And so for eternity... God allows two places. He allows heaven for those who want to be in a relationship with him and hell for those who choose to not be in a relationship with him. So that means for us as Christian believers, as crazy as this world is, as broken as this world is, that we know the future isn't chaotic and it's not unknown because our worldview is shaped by scripture. We understand that everything, everything is moving towards this dramatic finish when judgment will come. In fact, let me read Revelation chapter 20. I told you I was going to get heavy, man. We're, we're, we're diving into Revelation here. Revelation 20, here's what's coming. John writes this, he says, And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. And the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were open, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up its dead and death, and the grave gave up their dead, and all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So that's coming. And according to a biblical worldview, what, what we're in right now is we're in this in-between time. Okay, 2021 is after Jesus came the first time and before he returns the second time. It's between the cross and his return. And while we're in this in-between time, it is hard and it is difficult and it is painful. There's so many things wrong. But we don't get discouraged because, remember, our view is shaped by God's word. So, so let me read in Revelation what happens next, okay? 
There's good news for those that find salvation in Jesus. It says this, Then I saw, John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. And he will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things, all that brokenness is going to be gone forever. And that's the hope that we have as believers. There's going to come a time when everything is going to be restored, when everything is going to be renewed, there there will be no more pain and suffering, and we will be in the presence of Jesus. But here's the deal. As great as that sounds, let's be honest. Up to this point, we've been answering this question purely like on an academic, theological basis, right? So far, the problems that we have been talking about have been like theoretical pain, that, that kind of pain that's kind of out there, right? That kind of suffering that's beyond, uh, that some, suffering that's happening somewhere else. In, in other words, I'm kind of talking about this subject as though it's happening to someone and not me. But honestly, we need more than that kind of answer because that pain that we have and that brokenness that invades our lives And it comes into our world, and it breaks our hearts. And sometimes we're left feeling like everything is lost. And that question becomes more real. And it begins to sound more like, instead of why is there so much evil, or why is there so much pain, it gets personal, and we ask, why did my mom die? Or why did I get cancer? Or why is my family not talking to me? And the brokenness of this world, it really catches up to us. And the question becomes very personal then. And and if you're going through a tough time right now and you're really questioning God, I just want to say I'm sorry for that. And I know it's hard. But I also want you to know that God loves you. And I want you to know that God is with you. In fact, what I wanted to do is close with a few pieces of Scripture that might help us have a better view of the struggles that we face. Let me share these with you. If you've got your message notes, I'm going to walk through these pretty quickly. But the first one, if you've got that open on your app, let's fill in some blanks. The first one deals with presence. The first piece of Scripture I want to share with you. It comes from 34:18. It says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. He is close to you. This past week, I heard the testimony of someone who experienced something very traumatic. He said that he was in the backyard playing with his kids, helping his little girl do a gymnastics move when when he realized that his youngest son was nowhere to be found. And he looked up and he started yelling his name and they couldn't find him. And so they immediately began the search when they realized that the, the door to the pool area was open and they ran over and found him. And they found him in the water. In panic, they pulled him out, they called 911, and they momentarily revived him. But because they lived out in the country and it took so long for the ambulance to get there, there was little they could do. And after trying everything and after praying for days, they lost their son. 
And as he's given this testimony, he's talking about his relationship with God through all this and how he went through so much, uh, the, the different stages of grief and how he questioned and how he wondered why. And he tells the day of the funeral. And he talks about how it was a bright, sunshiny day except for one cloud. One cloud in the distance that made its way over to their ceremony and started to rain. And then after it was done, it moved on. And this bright rainbow was brought out. And he said in that moment, it was like he felt God's presence. You know, throughout that that terrible event, and for the years that that followed, you know, I'm sure that he could have given you the perfect academic theological answer for why pain and suffering happened in this world. He knew all that. He knew the Bible. He knew what God's Word taught. But in that moment, it was real. And it was personal for him. But when he gave that testimony, he talked about God's presence and how God was with him every step of the way. And honestly, hearing that testimony, it, it just helped me. Because sometimes knowing the why doesn't always help, does it? Having the answer doesn't always bring the comfort that we're looking for. Because what we really need, what we're really after, is God's presence. You know, we think we know what we need. We think we know what will help us in that moment. But what we really need is exactly what God promises. It's exactly what God provides to us. His presence. He wants to hold you. And we need to let him. So the first one deals with presence. The second scripture deals with proclamation. Okay, Proclaiming God's goodness. 2 Corinthians 1.4, it says this. It says, he comforts us when we're in trouble, but why? So that we can share that same comfort with others in trouble. This is very interesting. I want you to know that God can use our suffering as a way to proclaim to share his goodness with other people. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know, sometimes it takes pain to get our attention and also to get the attention of others. And God can use those painful and broken moments in our life as a message to proclaim his glory and his presence to other people. The third thing is purpose. The third piece of scripture deals with purpose. Romans 8.28 is a scripture we use all the time. It says, we know that God is always at work for the good for everybody who loves him. This means that God can take the bitter things in life and he uses them as ingredients for something better. You know, Abby right now is doing her senior project and, and she's baking cakes for her senior project. And I kind of like it because it means I get to snack on the presentations, <laughs> which is a nice little benefit. But making cakes by scratch is hard. I don't know if you've ever done this or if you've ever tried to eat the ingredients on their own. You know, just imagine walking by and trying a stick of butter. <laughs> right, or raw eggs, or flour. You know, on their own, they're bitter. Not so good. But when you put them together, it can create something quite nice. And God has this ability to take those individual things in life and and to create something 
with those bitter moments that's actually pretty amazing. He can use anything and everything if we let him for his good. And the fourth deals with God's ultimate plan. The fourth is plan. Another great piece of scripture is 2 Corinthians 4.17. These little troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all our troubles seem like nothing. In other words, our pain and suffering is real, but they pale in comparison to God's plan for the future. And that's hard for us to imagine right now while we're in the middle of something. So let me put it to you this way. Think about it being January 1st. You know, we got a new year coming at us. A new year right around the corner. And on that first day of a brand new year, everything goes wrong. And you end up fighting with your spouse. And y'all just have words and it's awful. And then while you're driving to work, you have a flat tire. And it's just... It's so bad that it jerks the whole car and you spill coffee all over yourself. And by the time you get the the tire changed and you're in work, you realize everybody's spreading rumors about you and the rumors that you're getting fired. And you're like, this day cannot get any worse. This is a terrible way to start off the new year. But that's day one. And then on day two, everything changes. Not only do you realize you're not getting fired, but you end up getting a raise. And when you get home on day two after fighting and arguing all day on day number one. On day number two, your spouse actually asks for forgiveness and apologizes to you, which like never happens, right? And so you're feeling pretty good. And then you get a call from a lawyer that says that a great uncle of yours has died and left you $50 million. And from that point on, everything just gets better and better and better and better. And nothing bad ever happens. And every good thing that happens, it makes you completely forget about that day one. And how bad it all started. And that's kind of what eternity is going to feel like. That's what it's going to be like to be with Jesus. All all that pain and all that suffering on earth, it was hard. And it was difficult. And it did hurt. But honestly, it's like one day compared to eternity with Jesus. And that's the plan. It's temporary compared to all the amazing things that are waiting for us. So I know we talked about this and difficult moments a couple of months ago. And I just wanted to bring this up again because this question is always at the forefront of everybody's mind. It's just this, this idea of evil and pain and, and suffering. And, and I hope as we continue to dive into this topic, I know that there are so many people that are hurting and they're going through so much right now. I, just, I hope that these messages have helped and I know that everybody struggles with this question. While it's important to have a theological, academic answer, I want you to have a a personal understanding of what happens when your world becomes broken. And I hope that you begin to see that God can use your pain to help others, that he can work some good, that he has amazing things in store for your future, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how difficult it gets, that he loves you. And he wants to take you in his arms. And he wants to be present with you. If you'll let him. Let's pray. Jesus, sometimes we think we need answers. And we want to know why this happened or why that happened or what it all means. And not only that, 
but this just seems like a subject that just keeps coming up because this world just is so difficult and it's so hard. And it just leaves us week after week wanting to know why. And sometimes, honestly, God, we don't get to have the answers. And even though we don't fully understand why the things happen in this broken world, what we really need and what we really understand is that you give us exactly what we need, and that's your presence. So Jesus, we thank you that even though this world is broken, that we have the promise of an amazing eternity with you. And we thank you that you have saved us. That you will one day right all those wrongs. But most of all, God, we praise you that through your son's death, that he has removed the problem of sin in our life and has restored our relationship with you so that we can know that you are with us right now and that you are with us forevermore. So God, be with this world. Be with our world and the trouble that exists around us. And God, be with each person that's here today and the struggles they personally face. God, I pray that they would feel your presence and that they would allow you to hold them. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.